Hi, I'm Louise Nets, and this is In the Loop with Louise and Yasmin on 88.1 WCRX-FM Chicago. Today on the show, we bring you up to date on some of the news stories you may have missed in your feed this week from Chicago, the state, and beyond. We discuss another amazing digital commencement opportunity for high school seniors, Illinois and Chicago's new plans for reopening, corgis, and how you can listen into Supreme Court case hearings for the first time in history. After that, Yasmin will bring you an interview with Daniel Maru, a 2019 Columbia College Chicago fashion design alumni, who's launching her debut clothing line centered around modest, hijab-friendly fashion. And then I have a conversation with Jean E. Robinson, entomologist and director of the Carl R. Woese Institute for Genomic Biology at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. We talk the latest story to plague our weary 2020 minds, pun intended, murder hornets. We discuss what you need to know about this new invasive species and how you can protect the good native honeybees in your area. If you miss any part of In the Loop with Louise and Yasmin, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WCRX so you never miss an episode. And if you have anything you'd like to share with us, send it our way using the hashtag In the Loop on CRX. So we're going to hop right into the news now that you may have missed from this week. And first off, Yasmin, we have another virtual graduation that people can go to. First Oprah and now Obama. Obama's going to be delivering this televised primetime commencement address. And it's an hour-long event that's going to be available on ABC, CBS, Fox, NBC um, on May 16th at 8 o'clock at night. It's called Graduate Together, America Honors the High School Class of 2020. The other people who will be there are also well-known names like LeBron James, Moala Yousef, um, Ben Platt, and others. CPS high school teachers are going to be there, um, as well as the Jonas Brothers, Bad Bunny, Layla Wythe, Pharrell Williams. Yeah. Yeah, Lena Waithe, my, my, wow. Uh, Lena Waithe, Morel Williams, and Megan Rapone. This yeah, sounds exciting. It's pretty cool, actually. Lena Waithe is, um, for people that don't know, is a Columbia alum. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, we were just talking about this, too, before we started recording, and I'm so grateful for all of these commencement opportunities that are coming up for people that are graduating, but at the same time, I've been at my computer for like 72 hours now and I don't know if I can keep going I don't know if I can like do graduation online (laughs) just listen to it just like turn your screen you know it's a really big moment Um, yeah I think it's honestly it's upsetting but at the same time it's bringing the country together it's bringing the world together it's also you know a huge accomplishment so we got to make do with what we get, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people, this was kind of started on social media, right? Where like people were saying, can we please get Obama to do the commencement address? And, uh, and now he is. So that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it's definitely going to be, we keep talking about this, but definitely going to be like graduation to remember. Oh, definitely. Nobody's ever going to forget the 2020 class. No. <laughs> I we always, are kind of historic. 
I always feel like um, my resume, whenever people are going to see, like, graduated 2020, they're going to go, oh. <laughs> Maybe they'll feel bad and they'll hire us. Oh, uh, I don't know about that, but you know. <laughs> um, anyway, I guess we can move on to something that's sort of in the forefront of a lot of people's mind, especially here in Illinois, is uh, J.B. Pritzker announced on Tuesday, our governor, that there we do have a multi-step plan in place to reopen Illinois. So some states have already started to reopen. We have not yet. Um, we are now in phase two of this plan, um, and we could enter the third phase in coming weeks. Um, the earliest, though, will be May 29th. So I just wanted to uh, give people a little bit of a layout of what the plan looks like, the first three phases. So phase one was the rapid spread phase where only essential businesses are open. So that was like grocery stores and pharmacies and stuff like that. And there were strict stay at home um, and social distancing guidelines put in place. So we're a little bit past that now. Now we're in phase two where the infection rate has begun to slow here, um, non-essential uh, non retail stores um, are open for curbside pickup and delivery, and residents can start enjoying outdoor activities like golf and boating and fishing while still practicing social distancing. And now face masks are to be worn outside the home. So that's where we are right now. That started on May 1st. And um, phase three, which we're working towards right now, and the earliest that we can get there is May 29th. Um, manufacturing, offices, retail, barbershops, and salons can reopen with capacity and other safety precautions. And then uh, their gatherings of 10 people or fewer is going to be allowed. I find this interesting because it's already been about seven weeks almost. I know. It, I, it doesn't feel like it's been seven weeks. Yeah. You know, I think, I think the first three, three or so weeks for me really like dragged on. But then after that, I feel like some a lot of us sort of adjusted to this new, this new reality. And now that we have this plan in place, there's kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel, you know? I totally agree with you. I wonder how likely it is for phase three to be initiated by May 29th. It'd be wonderful. I mean, I mm -hmm. think everybody would love it, you know? But yeah. I wonder how realistic yeah. that is. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and, and another thing that we, we here in Chicago have to be concerned with um, is that, you know, as, as we're the hardest hit, hit place in the state, obviously being, being the biggest city. Um, and so we're going to have a separate reopening plan. Um, Mayor Lightfoot was supposed to announce that plan on Thursday, but that was rescheduled. Um, so if you live in the Chicago area, please, we don't have the information yet, but please be on the lookout for that announcement when it does come, um, because we're probably going to have a little bit of different guidelines for reopening than the rest of the state. And then something else that I've actually kind of been enjoying, uh, from quarantine, just because like, I'm a big nerd, um, <laughs> is that for the first time in history, you can listen in real time to Supreme Court arguments because of COVID-19. Um, the Supreme Court is hearing cases over teleconference calls, and you can listen to some really interesting cases through the Associated Press, C-SPAN, and CNN.com. We've never been able to listen in like this before, um, and there's going to be these cases about robocalls and trademarks and um, Obamacare and birth control, and even uh, who has access to President Trump's taxes and personal finance records. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think that's dorky at all or nerdy at all. I it think is. that's actually really interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just think it's amazing because um you know, there here's this institution that we've had set in place since like the founding of our country and so few people have gotten to see listen in on how everything really works, you know? And um, actually, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg is has been calling in from the hospital. She just had a gallbladder surgery. Oh, wow. Um, so everybody is <laughs> dedicated. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. No, that is really cool. Yeah, yeah. So um, so any fellow nerds out there, if we want to do like a, um, a Supreme Court called watch party or something. <laughs> um, but another thing that was funny that happened, um, uh, like all of us though, I feel like, have you seen on social media, like people passing around their like Zoom conference call mishaps? Oh no, I haven't. So yeah, so a lot of people are like, oh, I left my camera on and went and did this or like, you know, whatever. So like all of us, the Supreme Court isn't immune to conference call mishaps. Um, they were in the middle of a case um, that was concerning the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, um, which would prohibit unwanted calls to cell phones from automated systems. So it's about robocalls. And um, uh, lawyer Roman Martinez was in the middle of his argument when you could hear the sound of a toilet flushing. <laughs> it's like, you know... Everybody's got to learn to mute at some point, you know, some <laughs> learn the easy way. And some of us get put on blast in national news. We're going to be saying, hey, call your congressman and uh, change these laws that apply to banks. And what the FCC has said is that when the subject matter of the call ranges to the topic, then the call is transformed. And it's, it's yeah. a call that would have been allowed and it's no longer allowed. To move forward from that, because that was great. <laughs> um, Pembroke Welsh Corgi. Did adorable. you know? Did you know that that's America's new favorite dog? It's actually not. So, so it it is in the top ten. It is. It just peaked its way into the top ten. So the Pembroke Welsh Corgi, if people don't know, is this adorable little loaf of bread that is a dog. Um, it's got little stubby legs and cute little loaf bodies, and um, they they're now number ten in the American Kennel Club's ranking of the most popular purebred breeds of dogs, um, and that was in 2019. Um, Labrador Retrievers are still number one, <laughs> um, which I totally get because the best dog I ever had in my life um, was a Lab. He was such a sweetie. Um, uh, we yeah. also have, you know, German Shepherds, Golden yep. Retrievers, French Bulldogs, Bulldogs, Poodles, Beagles, Rottweilers, German Short Hair Pointers, and now we have the Pembroke Welsh Corgi. Yeah, so so those are all those are all in the top ten. But I will I will say my favorite dog, um, my favorite dog breed. I I don't think I'd ever get a purebred, um, just because they have health issues, and I'd rather get a dog from a shelter and stuff, but I do love dachshunds so much. Um, and they just missed the mark at number 11. I've always wanted a poodle. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're so cute. They are. They are cute. Would you get like um, a toy poodle or a regular size poodle? Like toy poodle as in the ones that like those are like the, the those are like the little ones, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, I've always wanted one of those. I wouldn't put it in my purse or anything, but like I said that just to like you know differentiate the size. Ever since I saw Sharpay with one in High School Musical, yes. I really wanted one. 
<laughs> yes. You know, a lot of people are getting um, like golden doodles and stuff, like retriever poodle mixes. They're supposed to be really great dogs. Those are really popular now. Uh, my ideal dog would be um, a dachshund and a um, uh, half dachshund, half chihuahua, and they're called a chihuini. <laughs> Um, Chewini. So they have like shorter backs, so they don't, you know, they don't have as many health issues, but they're also a little bit smaller. Adorable. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. Um, so what do we have coming up on the show from you? So I will be talking with a 2019 Colum alum. Kalum alum. My favorite thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, from the fashion department who is about to launch her debut fashion line. And the reason I am so interested in talking to her is because a lot of her new pieces actually um, cater to modest wear, which yeah. is something that I go for because I wear hijab. So this is something that I'm really interested in and I know many others will be. So I'm excited to talk with Daniel Morrow about it. So what about you? Cool. Yeah, I am talking with an entomologist from uh, the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign about this new murder hornet phenomenon that is kind of that kind of took over social media. Um, people are freaking out. They're like, "Oh, it's the new plague of 2020." <laughs> oh gosh. You know, but um, what we actually sat down to talk about is how these bees, while they these hornets, while they do pose a a threat to humans. Um, the biggest threat that they pose are to native honeybee species, um, who, who also, you know, their populations have already dealt with a lot of decline in the past 10 years. Um, so we sat down to just talk about, talk about that and what we as normal non-researched or non-scientist people can do to help. This is interesting. I, I think it's going to be really great to talk about that too, especially because like you said, everybody's freaking out about it on the internet so yeah i'm excited to hear this one yeah i really i really wanted to do this story because i feel like you know hopefully at some point this summer we'll be able to go outside and have our picnics and do our thing you know and i want people to be able to you know have a bee fly by their head and have them not freak out that it's you know a murder hornet I still freak out when a bee flies by my head. Yeah, yeah, we actually in the interview we actually talk about that. Like how can we quell our fear a little bit so we don't so we don't squash them. Oh, yeah. yes, I really need to hear this. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So, we will see you right back here on 88.1 WCRX FM Chicago. Columbia College is well known for many of their programs, but one program in particular is fashion design. Columbia alum Daniel Mudu graduated from the college in May of 2019 with a passion for fashion. The fashion designer has been putting countless hours and months into what will soon be her debut clothing line. 
What makes her line so unique? The brand will feature modest pieces that are hijab friendly. As someone who wears the headscarf, I am ecstatic to shop till I drop. Allow me to introduce Danielle. Hey, Danielle, thanks for coming on. We're really excited to talk to you today. I'm, ex I'm so excited to be here and to talk to you too. So let's start off by talking about your experience at Columbia in the fashion department and where you are today. Um, my experience at Columbia was actually really nice. Um, their fashion department is so helpful and it taught me so many things that obviously I didn't know before. And it prepared me for design-wise for my fashion business, but obviously only school can only prepare you so much for what you're going to do in your field. So... There's still things that I'm learning now, but it honestly was a great experience at Columbia. And what was the second part of the question? Sorry. Um, so tell us where you are now after graduating from Columbia. So after I graduated, um, I took a little break because I felt like I needed it to think through what I wanted to do. And I always knew that I wanted to start my own fashion line not really go work for someone. I always wanted to be my own boss. So I didn't really go look for a job because since I knew that I wanted to start my own thing. So in the meanwhile, I was preparing for my business and getting everything together behind the scenes before I launched anything. And now I'm in the process of actually launching something. And my fashion line is called Daniel Maru which is my name, and it is a designer modest wear brand that is luxurious, modern, and chic. And basically what modest wear is, is it's clothing that's meant to cover, not reveal. So whether it be through long sleeves or high necklines, that's what my brand basically offers. So yeah. So I'm really excited about your brand too, also because um, I wear hijab. I know you wear hijab as well. So this is really exciting because it's you and I both know sometimes it can be a little hard to find clothing um, that's hijabi friendly. So can you talk a little bit about why you decided to go the modest route? Yeah, so I went the modest route because, like you said, I'm a hijabi too. So when I put the hijab on, I noticed that there really wasn't anything out on the market for modest wear clothing. And honestly, the modest fashion industry is still slowly growing. So it's been untouched for quite a while until recently. There's so much room for new designs and brands. And I thought I'd join that because I feel like I have so much to offer in that area because I am a part of that community. So I know like the struggles that they go through to finding clothes especially like quality clothes and modern designs, which is basically what my brand offers. Yeah, so can you tell us a little bit about the pieces that um, you'll be selling? So right now I specialize mainly in luxury robes, which is basically like floor length, wide sleeve, open style robes. And that's what you'll be seeing a lot in my up and coming collection. Um, I do want to expand into obviously everything from tops and bottoms, but right now I'm going to be focusing on those luxury robes. So what goes into creating your pieces? There's so much that goes into it. Um, well, first it all starts with inspiration. I 
create mood boards and I really get inspired by one thing and I create color palettes from it and everything. And then the designing starts and then I design everything and then the fabrics come into play. And sometimes that can change your designs. It can change your mood boards. So then it really all plays a big part in everything, the fabrics for me, especially. And then after I get the fabrics, that's when the cut and sew happens and everything comes to life. Do you cut and sew all of your pieces yourself? Um, that would be pretty much impossible for me to do. Um, <laughs> Cause it's like, I mean, people that do that, it's when they do, um, what's it called? When they do custom wear, when it's just like one piece for one person. But now, right now I, actually have a small team behind me that will take care of all the cut and sew. So basically I'm just the design part of my brand, the designer. So I have people taking care of the cut and sew part for me, thankfully. Okay. So what was your favorite part um, about creating your brand thus far? Um, I think my favorite part um, of creating it is just seeing like everything come to life like all the ideas inside my head like they're finally coming to life especially like through my instagram which i recently started um i was able to like do a photo shoot of all the things that i've made in the past and like my logo and everything and it's so exciting to just see it all come together finally because it's been a long time in the making So can you share your Instagram handle, actually, so people can check it out? Sure. My Instagram is Dania Maru Official. Okay. And when will your um, clothing line hopefully drop? So right now we don't have an official launch date, but um, it's looking like it's going to happen in the fall of this year. Ooh, that's exciting. So does your line have anything to do with maybe one of your final projects at Columbia that I know many fashion majors have to complete? Um, Mine actually does not, but I do know what final project you're talking about. I actually wasn't in that program. That's for the BFA where they do the senior thesis. But yeah, definitely I have so many pieces from Columbia that I do use, but it won't be in this collection. When when I decided I wanted to do fashion is actually kind of funny. Um, it's like I always knew that I wanted to do fashion because I've always been creative when I was younger. And the first time I actually sewed was honestly, I think I was around 10. And I like sewed a dress for one of my stuffed animals. And it's like the funniest story, but... Um, honestly, from that moment, that's when I knew I wanted to do fashion, which it sounds so funny, but yeah. And I, it honestly has grown from there. I've taken classes in high school that had to do with fashion and I just like always wanted to do it despite what everyone like has said, like, oh, like sometimes people look down on those careers. They're like, that's not really a real job, but like little do they know. And like... I just like it's so exciting because now I'm like in this position now and I have so much to offer for modest fashion that it's like crazy how it all started from there and how I've always been wanting to do it. And here I am. That's such a cute story. Oh, my God. I love, like I used to 
<laughs> I used to try to make um, clothing for my dolls too, but the thing is, I I can't sew, so they were <laughs> they were like paper. I couldn't but, um, sew back then either, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can do really really great sewing jobs now, though. But, yeah. Um, um, why did you decide to name your brand after your name? Um, honestly, I just feel like, um, I really want to give the modest community like that feel of a designer modest brand, which most designer brands, they do use their names. And I feel like our, um, the modest community is really lacking that like there's, there's like a lot of like cheap quality things or they're very outdated and, I really want to like give the full feel of a designer um, brand. So that's why I wanted to name it my name. And also because I just feel like I really like that name. <laughs> I like your name too. It's really pretty. <laughs> that's funny to say. <laughs> so do you think that the modest industry, um, fashion industry is starting to grow a bit larger now? Yeah, I feel like right now it's growing. Like, it's not like at its peak yet. But like right now, it's like, honestly, the perfect time. Like if anyone wanted to join in on the modest fashion market, like it's the perfect time because I feel like a lot of modest brands are like finally like um, putting their stuff together and putting it out there. And people are now like recognizing them as like, not just like these little shops, but like these major brands and I think it's really nice. Like I've been wanting this to happen and like hopefully in the next couple of years, I think that modest fashion will like definitely be like a staple brand that it will be like household names and everyone will know like, Oh, this is a modest brand. Like this is modest fashion. Like people will actually finally know what it is. Like they won't be confused anymore. See, that's so exciting. Um, and it's also really exciting to see like a fellow Muslim woman, like, doing something kind of out of the ordinary mm -hmm. which is really cool because a lot of women don't at least in our culture don't really go into fashion so it's so exciting to not only see you know you but also so many other like Muslim women starting these brands is there any advice that you would give to like Muslim girls who are thinking of going into fashion as well I would say just do it like if you are passionate about it and you love it like with anything that you do, if you're passionate and you love it, you will succeed because, you know, you're putting like all your you're putting all that work into it and your heart into it. And there's no way that you can fail doing it. So if you're so passionate about fashion or any other career that you feel like is not socially acceptable, I don't know how to put it. But yeah, like just go for it, because honestly, it's like why would you want to do something just because everyone else is doing it? Just do what you love and you will succeed. See, I love that. That's so true. Uh, so where do you see yourself and your brand in five years from now, if you could see yourself anywhere from now? Hopefully I would like to see my brand becoming a household name and really just like expanding. And it honestly, like doesn't have to specifically be just for like one group of people like modest fashion is just a way of dressing because you want to cover up more but there's like certain pieces in the collection that anyone can wear like anybody could wear modest fashion it's just not revealing clothing so I'm hoping that it really just like expands 
into like a big fashion line and that everyone will know what my brand is. So what makes your brand different from other modest fashion brands? I've been seeing your snippets that you've been teasing on Instagram. They look absolutely stunning. Thank you. Um, What makes yours different, would you say? I think what makes mine different is because I really focus in on the... um, the designs, making them modern, because I feel like right now there isn't really modern designs. And I think that's like a struggle when it comes to designing for modest wear is that you're just stuck in this box where you don't know if you can do it this certain way, because, you know, like, I don't know how to explain it. But yeah, like, when you want to design modernly and modestly, sometimes it clashes a little bit because it might come off as outdated. And I think that's what a lot of brands are struggling with. But with my brand, I feel like I do it very well, making my designs very modern. And I also combine luxury fabrics to it. So I think it really makes um, unique and timeless pieces in the end of the day. Well, Dania, I'm so excited for your fashion line to come out. I really can't wait to check it out. I'm like actually super excited, like no lie. Yes, I'm excited um, too. Yeah, um, it was so great being able to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. If you missed part of In The Loop, you could find us on iTunes and Spotify. You can also find WCRX on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WCRXFM. Or you can go to our website, wcrxfm.colum.edu. A new species of hornet has been sighted in the Pacific Northwest of the United States, but they aren't your ordinary insect. The Asian giant hornet, lovingly named the murder hornet, is about 1.5 to 2 inches in length, making it the largest of its kind on the planet. Their sting can be deadly, and in Japan they kill 30 to 50 people each year. The biggest threat that they pose, although, is to US native honeybee populations. They can invade and destroy a hive in a matter of hours. No one knows yet how this invasive species made it to the US, but now that they're here, many are worried of their impact on native pollinators. Jean E. Robinson is an entomologist and director of the Carl R. Woese Institute for Genomic Biology at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Dr. Robinson has devoted his career to the study of honeybees, and we discussed over Zoom this new threat to their populations, and what we as normal non-honeybee specialists can do to help. Well, these threats are so scary because uh, honeybees already are facing other threats and um, their populations have declined uh, over the years. The last 10 years has really not been good for for honeybees. And, um, you know, to have one more thing on top of that is, uh, is, is really uh, concerning. Yeah, definitely. And, and what other kind of threats have honeybees faced in the past two decades, let's say? Well, um, uh, as, as you know, there have been really big population drops, a number of colonies over the last 10 or so years. 
and um, scientists now uh, understand that in terms of the four P's. So pesticides, parasites, pathogens, and poor nutrition are the four factors that have been implicated in the alarming drops in honeybee population. And in addition to the four Ps, uh, we also have come to understand that they interact in unpredictable ways. And one may be stronger than another in different locations. So it's a very complex web of interactions that involve four players and other forms of, of variation and um, that kind of play against those four. And uh, so that's our understanding. So we're kind of, it's, it's um, good in the sense that we now have the beginnings of a comprehensive um, and sophisticated understanding of the problem. And now we have to roll up our sleeves and solve this problem now with this understanding. And these, you know, new uh, wasps don't help. Definitely, definitely. And, and it is, and these, um, these wasps are an invasive species. Why are invasive species so dangerous? And why aren't we discussing them as much as we discuss other threats to the environment, like carbon emissions and trash? Yeah, so invasive species are especially uh, potent in their effects because they interact with a whole new set of cast of characters outside of the environment in which they evolved with other organisms. So I'll give you an example. Um, these uh, hornets are fierce. There's no question about that. But uh, they, where they evolved in Asia, uh, the native honeybees there, the Asian honeybees, have evolved a defense mechanism against them. So if a wasp tries to attack uh, an Asian honeybee colony, the honeybees have a uh, very sophisticated behavior. They surround the wasp, they press against it, they raise their body temperatures, and they literally cook the wasp. This is a very sophisticated, coordinated behavior that they have. And our bees, um, which evolved in areas of Europe primarily before they were brought over to America, have never encountered this kind of wasp, and so they have not evolved this mechanism. So we're talking about coevolution, the effect of one species on another, um, and sometimes coevolution involves two species that work together, um, like flowers and bees have evolved together to help each other. Um, wasps and bees have evolved to one to get the other and the other to defend. So when you have an invasive species coming into a new location, those species that are resident have never encountered that before. The evolutionary pressure hasn't been there to evolve a more, you know, give and go kind of relationship. Um, so I live in a city, but I have a lot of friends that live in rural areas too. What can we as normal, not scientists, not research people do to support honeybee populations in our area? So the number one thing that homeowners can do um, anywhere in the city and in the country is to plant flowers. So honeybees represent, so there are 20,000 or so species of bees. They almost all live exclusively on flowers by living on, I don't mean they live on them, but they make a living off of 
flowers. And um, we have seen a decline in the number of flowering plants attractive to bees due to a variety of reasons. Um, increased urbanization, uh, changes in agricultural practices, and as a result, there are fewer flowers. So more flowers means better nourishment, means the bees are a little better able to take on these other challenges, the other three Ps. Yeah, and, and lastly, summer is coming up. Hopefully we'll be able to go outside and have our picnics and everything like that. I know that for me, I grew up with a little bit of fear of bees and wasps. People are afraid of bees and other stinging insects. What do you, do you think there's a way for us to quell this fear so that our first instinct isn't, oh, it's a killer bee, I gotta swat it? Yeah, that's, that's a great question because um, a lot of the attributes of bees have evolved to instill fear. Uh, the colors are considered classical warning colors, orange, black, in the case of the wasps, some bright yellow. These are in nature warning colors. It's no accident, I might speculate, that we use red light and yellow light to, uh, you know, to mean certain things. This comes really from our association with nature. The buzzing sounds certainly don't help, um, and, uh, and those also can um, instill some fear. So it's really just a matter of understanding a little bit about their biology. Um, honeybees, for example, as I say, live exclusively on uh, the resources of flowers, nectar and pollen. So when you see a bee flying around you, it's, and, and you're not near a honeybee colony at all, it's just trying to do something else. It's not out to, uh, to attack you. And, and so keeping that in mind can help uh, a little bit with, uh, with quelling the fear. Yeah, I think, I think for me, um, just for our listeners out there too, um, something that really helped weirdly was a little bit of exposure therapy. I've been watching a lot of um, videos of this guy on YouTube named Jeff, Jeff Horchoff. And he's this guy in Louisiana who does, um, he removes honeybee uh, colonies from places where usually they'd be destroyed and takes them to his farm and, and rehomes them. And watching how how easily he interacts with them and every time he finds the queen, it's so exciting for him. And um, watching this really positive experience that someone's having with native honeybees has been really helpful and awesome. Jesus, wow, we man, oh man, this is a battle under here, folks. And I tell you what, I, I don't think I'm winning, but I think we've crossed the line catching our queen on this one. So, God's gracious with this queen, and hopefully, we'll get these bees finished vacuum up. There's still a lot of bees and combs. Woo! What a great, great event! Now, <laughs> I'm very happy if you cannot tell. Oh, that's, that's great. Yeah, I mean, beekeeping right now is uh, resurging. There is a huge boom in hobby beekeeping. And people learn to work uh, very productively. They really enjoy it a great deal. Many people have gotten into beekeeping in the last few years because of their concern over the declining populations and the realization of how important honeybees are to our economy. They provide pollination that provides one third of all the food that we eat. One out of every three bites you can attribute 
to the pollinating activities of honeybees. So people are worried um, and intrigued and uh, then they start to work with them and they really, um, many people really uh, enjoy it a great deal. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Professor. This was fascinating. It was so great to talk to you. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much yeah, for thank your Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy week and the end of this year that's been so crazy. No, this is important and I'm happy to do it. Yeah, thank you. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks. Take Thanks. care. Bye-bye. This is In the Loop with Louise and Yasmin on 88.1 WCRX-FM Chicago. favorite part of the show. I don't yes. know about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to this every week. Um, social media sensations. We all know you're waiting for it, so we're just going to dive right into it. My social media sensation this week has to do a little bit with what, you know, Louise was talking about this week. Murder Hornets. And, of course, The Simpsons, because who doesn't like The Simpsons? So, it turns out the Simpsons actually predicted not only the coronavirus, which we recently found out about, but they also predicted these murder hornets. Can you believe that? Yeah, this was insane when I saw this on uh, going around social media, but I also wasn't surprised. <laughs> Nobody's ever surprised with the Simpsons anymore. I think we really need to you know, do some investigating on these writers. Um, so I thought it was really interesting because there's an episode of The Simpsons, there's a clip um, where all the residents are, you know, they're, they're like running around demanding a cure for this disease that came into their town and they can't seem to get the cure. They're protesting outside of the doctor's window, yelling that they want a cure. And one of the members that are involved in the protest yell out maybe there's a cure in this truck and they all go and they push this truck over and all of a sudden this huge box of bees they they, they literally said like killer bees come out we need a cure <laughs> why the only cure is bed rest anything i give you would only be a placebo where do we get these placebos maybe there's some in this truck <laughs> And they're swarming all over Springfield and they're singing them. So not only is there a virus, there's also bees. So it is wild how they get these things so accurate at, at like perfect time. You know, like it's, I don't know, I just thought it was really creepy, but at the same time, it's really entertaining. But lastly, why doesn't anybody ever do any investigating into The Simpsons? You know what? I feel like people have, um, but it's so it's so well under wraps. We'll just never know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do we really believe he could be a time traveler? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe they just have a really good astrologer or something like that. You know? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, but uh, we. It's funny because we both have cartoons as our social media sensation this week. Oh, really? What's um, yours? So mine uh, was the South Park Bro Down 2020. So <laughs> what this was was basically 
um, all the lovely people at South Park and on their Twitter and Instagram, they created a bracket. So you know how like in sports you have a bracket of like this team against this team, then this team wins and moves forward and goes against the other team, right? Yeah. So they had a bracket of all the characters from the show. And uh, they did it over the span of, I think, a couple weeks. Um, and and every day they would have two people, two characters to vote between. And they would vote on Facebook and or on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And um, and finally we got down to the final, the final two characters uh, to go against each other. And it was between Randy and Cartman. And Cartman won this time. But it's funny because the last time they did this was in, in 2015 and Randy won. And... Uh, I am a little disappointed in myself just because of how unnecessarily invested I was in this whole thing. <laughs> like, I did not miss a poll. <laughs> wow. I didn't miss a poll. And then also, um, my favorite character lost to Towley, which was very upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> but he ended up in the end, Tweak, who's my favorite character. I relate to him on so many levels. Today we're going to have a performance by one of our students who has written a song. The song is about his feelings towards the current political climate with North Korea. Put your hands together for Tweak. ended up winning MVP because the fandom came out so hard for him. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was, uh, this was just a fun, I think they realized how oh, everybody is bored in quarantine and we need to start up some like fan base rival rivalry and also like get everybody ready for the new season in fall. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. I love how everybody's getting so creative during this time mm -hmm. and finding things to entertain not only themselves, but the internet. Yeah. I think yeah. it's really cool. <laughs> I, I will also say um, um, one more thing about it. I am very surprised, although I'm upset that Tweek lost to Tally. That was hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say the most surprising one is I was surprised that Kenny won over Butters. That was... um. That was a bit of a shock. I think it was for a lot of people. But everybody knew in the end it was going to come down to Cartman and Randy. And, uh, yeah. So, so I'm, <laughs> I would love it if other cartoons, like maybe The Simpsons, too, like did something like this. I think it would be a lot of fun. That would be fun. I would want to get involved. Yeah. Well, I think that's our show for the week, Louise. I think, I think it is. And you know what? It, we only have one more show left. I know. It's... It's kind of upsetting, but I mean, it's like bittersweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm just really proud of how we have, you know, we had to transfer this show from the studio to our homes. And I, I'm just proud of how everybody um, at the radio station and everybody at Columbia has handled all of this and how we've pulled through and we've still come out with, with content and we're still pushing through it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of everyone too. I think it wasn't the most ideal situation to record in but we were still able to pull through like you're saying so proud of us Louise yeah and uh I'm excited for next week's show so we'll see you next week
Thank you so much to our special guests, Daniel Maru and Jean E. Robinson, for making this show possible today. It's so crazy to think that we only have one show left for you. I've had a blast making these, and I can't believe it's all coming to an end. Next week, we'll sign off with a special episode celebrating graduating seniors here at Columbia College Chicago, and I hope you can listen in. Again, if you missed any part of the show this week, you can find In the Loop with Louise and Yasmin anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on social media at WCRXFM. You're listening to 88.1 WCRXFM, Chicago's Underground. Stay healthy, and we'll see you again next week for one last time.